What's the one thing we all have in common? Well, maybe it's two. We need to eat and we want to enjoy it. But what if we lived in a community where eating healthy and local is possible for everyone? Well, the good news is that we do live there and that it is possible for everyone. The Chef Farm and Fork podcast will teach you how to pick peak seasonal ingredients to make delicious, uncomplicated dishes so that you can eat well while supporting local when it's available, which is more often than you think. We can't wait for you to get to know some of our favorite farmers, ranchers, artisans, and small business friends. Click the subscribe button now to join us in our adventures in community and gastronomy. I know we're only a few episodes in, but this week I have a very special episode for listeners. I know, because many of you are my friends, colleagues, and folks that I associate with professionally or through my volunteer work, that you all have good hearts. And with good hearts often comes generosity. There are a lot of fundraisers going on right now, and if food and getting that food to those who do not have enough resources to purchase food means a lot to you, I have the perfect opportunity for you to exercise your generosity. There is a day coming up soon to promote giving to local nonprofits connected directly to our community that's called Give Local Piedmont. It's organized and executed by the Northern Piedmont Community Foundation and is coming up on May 5th. I do want to mention you can visit the website and donate right after you listen to this episode. They do this to connect folks to organizations that align with their values that depend on financial support from the public. Some of you may know my 9 to 5 is in Fauquier County where I serve as the farm to school chef for the FRESH program. That stands for Fauquier Reaches for Excellence in School Health. The program I work for is funded almost entirely by the PATH Foundation. PATH stands for Piedmont Action to Health. My guests today also all received some level of funding from the PATH Foundation. PATH provides resources, both financial and educational, to programs that support the mission of their organization. However, oftentimes nonprofits who receive assistance from PATH need to diversify their funding sources for many reasons. We won't get into the benefits of diversification of funding here. But what I do want you to know is that many of these organizations rely on folks like you and me. We're just middle-class working folks who happen to believe strongly in supporting organizations that lift up everyone in our community to make access to food and health inclusive for all. And many of us have a soft spot for organizations that contribute to one of our most valuable assets on the planet, children. And what is one of the most important needs that we need to meet for children? Food. We need them to be food secure so that they can expend their energy on developing into healthy young adults and continue those healthy habits to be healthy, mature adults. Today, the three organizations that are our guests are here to tell you about how they are helping fight food insecurity and ultimately working towards health equity for children and adults. These organizations are the Fauquier Education Farm, the Fauquier Community Food Bank and Thrift Shop, 
and Fokir Fish, which includes Weekend Power Pack. Fish stands for for immediate sympathetic help. We're going to take you on the journey that the food takes to get to the folks who need it. From the learning opportunities that happen on the education farm that lead to the nurturing and ultimate harvest of nutritious fresh produce, to the shelves and refrigerators of two different but equally impactful food pantries. From the folks at the food pantries, we will learn about why these missions are so important to our community and how the food they provide does so much more than fill empty bellies. Thank you for joining us today. I know you're going to learn a lot from our guests, and I hope that we can inspire you to support their missions through donation on Give Local Piedmont Day on May 5th or right now. My first guest is Jim Hankins, Executive Director of the Fauquier Education Farm. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm doing very well, Natalie. It's great to be talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, just so our listeners know, Jim is one of my favorite all-time farm heroes, and I am just so honored to have him here today with us. And I was hoping, Jim, you could introduce yourself and then talk a little bit about how you got involved with the Fauquier Education Farm and everything you're doing right now. Absolutely. As Natalie said, I am the executive director of a small nonprofit called the Fauquier Education Farm. We have 11 and a half acres just outside of Warrington that we use as an outdoor teaching lab. On 10 acres, we raise vegetables of all sorts of sizes, shapes, varieties. Um, and using those 10 acres, as I said, as an outdoor teaching lab to facilitate educational experiences that range from parents coming with preschool age kids that just want to get their, hand, their hands in the dirt and get their kids exposed to um, how food is grown, um, all the way up through, of course, lots of school groups love us, um, lots of 4-H clubs, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, um, brownies, church groups. Um, a lot of adults are coming there and volunteering so that they can learn more about growing vegetables in their own home gardeners. We also have a couple different courses on new and, for new and beginning farmers, people who are looking to branch out into a commercial farming level. And we have on our additional acre and a half, a new farmer incubator area where up to four different new farmers can have a small plot to start raising vegetables for themselves to sell with some technical assistance, some equipment access. And then everything that we, and we also have a um, free workshop series of 10 workshops throughout the year that are directly related to what we are doing in the ground. And then one of the great things that happens is that everything that we grow is donated to food banks in Fauquier, Rappahannock, Culpeper, and Prince William counties. 
a lot of different food banks and assistance programs within those counties. In 2019, that was 51,250 pounds, I do believe. Um, And that was down a bit because of some severe damage. We have done as much as 60,000 pounds of fresh produce, really high quality, good, fresh picked that day, delivered straight to the food banks not the second quality, that we take the very best we can. The farms run with myself as the only full-time employee. I also have two seasonal paid helpers, but most of the labor comes from volunteers. We have folks come from all across the state of Virginia, all the local counties. Um, this morning, I had a family from work who came out moms and four kids. I've had volunteers coming from Chesterfield from the other side of Richmond. They're coming so that they can get that direct hands-on learning experience and they're coming to support the fact that everything we grow was donated to the food banks. Now Jim, if I were a new to the Fakir Education Farm and I wanted to volunteer, how would I go about looking for that opportunity? The easiest way is either on our Facebook page or our website, FalkierEducationFarm.org. Um, the Facebook page is just Falkier Education Farm. Right at the top of the page, it will say how to help or on our website and on our Facebook page, it says sign up. And that gets your name added to a weekly email that we send out that detail our hours that upcoming week. Typically goes out on um, Sunday afternoon. You know, our hours change all the time because of weather, because of different seasonal um, demands and just where we are in the growing season. Once you have found out when we have asked for volunteers, All you have to do is show up. We don't require any experience. We don't require that anybody sign up for specific times. You do need to come when we ask for volunteers. But once you're there, um, we're going to put everybody who shows up to work. And, you know, I say all the time, I'm highly motivated to make sure that people want to come back and work again for free. So we're not going to ask too much of any one individual. And it, it's, you're out there with some really, really beautiful people. Kids are very much welcome. Um, we do require that all minor age kids um, be accompanied by an adult. Nobody gets to drop their kids off. We're not a daycare center. <laughs> And it can be one, you know, I used to have one mom who was coming all the time with her three daughters, and they would typically have three or four of her of their daughter's friends in tow. It can be one adult with five or six kids. That's absolutely fine. And, you know, we will train you for each particular task that we have. Um, and, you know, our volunteers do everything except for driving the tractor that needs to be done on the farm. You know, they do all of the planting and harvesting and cleaning and sorting and packing the produce. 
They help load up for the food banks. I've had plenty of parents who will follow me to the Falkir Food Bank just so their kids get that real complete picture of where this food is going that they just worked on a summer afternoon or a summer morning to harvest, reinforcing the fact that it's going to the food banks. Yes, it is just such an amazing feel-good experience. And it's fun. And I mean, I can tell you all, I I knew about the education farm because I went through the master gardener training program. And you all were one of the places we could sign up to get some of our master gardener hours. So that was my first experience with the education farm. I just fell in love. And Jim is not joking when he tells you that he wants his volunteers to come back. You know, he treats everybody just so kindly. And everyone who is there is fun and nice and you're all working towards the same cause so you're going to meet a lot of cool people there and it isn't it's not grueling work you know you're there to do one specific task or two specific tasks every time you go and once those are complete especially when there's a lot of helping hands you know it makes it makes the work light it's an amazing experience to get a bunch of volunteers together on a typical you know july morning We'll start at eight o'clock so that we're not out there in the real heat. But with 10 or 15 volunteers, we can very easily harvest over 3,000 pounds of produce. We're getting it all gathered up into our metal barn, you know, to get it out of the sun. Typically by that time of year, the watermelons are cantaloupe or ripe. So we'll cut a watermelon and give everybody a snack and, you get a chance to get to meet some really incredibly beautiful people. I say all the time that there are no bad questions. You know, I want to be a source of information for everybody. And that's everybody from the youngest kids to the adults who have been gardening their whole lifetime. You know, it's really frequent that I'll have tomatoes or peppers. I'll have them raised three or four different ways because I'm going to try to maximize every teaching opportunity I can. We are the education farm. We want people to learn. And this is a really, really great way to give back to your community while you're learning. So Jim, you mentioned that the produce that is grown on the education farm goes to a really important mission, and that is to fight food insecurity in our area and to do so that increases access to healthy items. Can you tell me a couple of the organizations that you work with around the community that food gets donated to? Sure. You know, we're all familiar with food drives where they ask for boxed and canned um, items you know, non-perishable items. So all of the food banks are really actually quite hungry for um, fresh produce. You know, they're getting stuff that's cashed off from the grocery stores that is really right at that point where another day or so and it's not edible. We're picking fresh, straight out of the field, top quality produce. So we donate Probably, well, more than half of what we are producing goes to the Falkir Food Bank. You know, they're serving several thousand families each month. So they are able to move quite a large volume. 
We also donate to Falkir Fish. We donate to the Rappahannock Food Pantry and the Haymarket Food Pantry. The Family Nutrition Agent for Culpeper County through the Cooperative Extension, Brenda Watkovich, comes up on a regular basis. She runs the WIC program for this region, Women, Infants, and Children. It's a USDA assistance program. So Brenda is taking fresh produce to her WIC classes um, and also distributing them to a couple other assistance programs down in Culpeper County. You know, the Culpeper food closet is really that. It is that small. So they're not able to deal with quite the volume of some of the other um, assistance programs that we're directly donating to. But Brenda makes sure that everything that we're giving to her goes to folks in need. I hear feedback all the time. We are introducing folks to some things that they may have not run into. Quite soon here, we'll be harvesting Chinese cabbage. It grows really well in this area. It's really nutritious. And some of those food bank clients just weren't really sure about what it was they were getting. Um, and now, after several years, I hear from the Falkir Food Bank, well, when's that Chinese cabbage coming in? <laughs> Vivid purple cauliflower. And I used to manage a couple farms where I sold at high-end farmer's markets. And I say all the time that I want to take the same quality to the food bank that I would have been delivering to a very high-end farmer's market. I want it to be fresh. I want it to be beautiful. And we focus a lot on the nutrient value when choosing which crops to grow. Absolutely. And I, I have to say, I have a kind of a confession here. Um, <laughs> I, I do know Jim and the Fauquier Education Farm very well. They actually supported for my, my nine to five job. They supported a series of community cooking classes where if families were receiving assistance from one of the area food banks, they could come and I would go and harvest vegetables with Jim and his team or Jim and volunteers. And they would get to come to my class and learn what to do with the vegetables that they would then be receiving from their, their food pantry or their food bank, kind of like what Brenda's doing out her way, maybe on a little bit smaller yep. scale than that though. <laughs> and we just had fantastic response from our participants. And like you were saying, you know, I would bring for the very first time some new something to the class. And a lot of times people hadn't cooked an eggplant before. And they would say, you know, well, I really don't mm -hmm. eat that at home. But you would have sent me back to the class with maybe, you know, three, four varieties of eggplants sometimes. And so parents would come to that class with their children and the kids would be so encouraged to try things just because they were so beautiful. And then the parents would say, well, this is actually really, really delicious and really easy to prepare. And we're going to do this at home. So then when they went to their food bank or one of the places that gives food assistance, they would say, we want that eggplant. And they'd come back to the next class and tell me, you know, I got some really nice eggplant when I, I went to do my shopping at the food pantry and, you know, we prepared it just like we did in class and the whole family loved it. And that was really, really encouraging. So thanks for partnering on that with us in the past couple of years. We, we truly appreciated it. 
you know, I hear that same thing from my volunteers. If you've got kids who are out there helping harvest eggplant or whatever, they are really inclined to be curious. And when they get home, much more likely to want to try new things rather than just limit their vegetable intake to french fries. (laughs) That's the truth. And it's something that's proven time and time again in the work that I do with farm to school programming is that, you know, when you connect these kids to the earth and to the food that's being grown, they are more likely to be open to trying it without too much pressure. Well, and that's one of the biggest reasons why I keep emphasizing quality, quality of what we are delivering. If we are going to help people make healthier diet choices. We need to be taking really, really beautiful produce that gets them excited about trying it. When you see what they get from the grocery stores, a lot of times, you know, you or I would not buy that because it's already, you know, not really pretty. It's wilted. It's spoiled. Just because these folks are getting their food from a food bank or supplementing what they're eating from a food bank doesn't mean that they have to eat spoiled food. You know, I want to take them the very best. Absolutely. And I, I think you are really contributing to bolstering the dignity that folks are able to have when they shop at food pantries. And, you know, for that, I'm really grateful because we, we all either have been or know people who have gone through some really tough times and, you know, you, you just want to feel valued. You want to feel like you deserve what, what everyone else is able to have. And I, I think you're really helping with that. Well, I appreciate that. So, Jim, running the Ed Farm and everything you do there, I mean, gosh, the equipment that you have and the ground coverings, even all the seeds. How, how does the Ed Farm finance all of this? You know, a lot of people, when they see our name, the Fauquier Education Farm, think that we are part of Fauquier County government. We are a standalone nonprofit. So all of our funding comes from grants and donations. Um, We are located on Fauquier County-owned property um, that the county gives us a $1 a year lease and We've never given them their dollar. <laughs> we, we owe them ten. Lately, our budget is up to about one hundred and twenty thousand wow. dollars a year, and it's not just to vegetables; it's to do a lot of educational programs as well. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I'm most proud of is the fact that in recent years. We've been pretty consistently about 50% of our funding coming from direct donations from the community and the other 50% coming from grants. Um, As the executive director, I do all the grant writing and all the reporting and stuff like that. But stuff like Give Local Piedmont, which is coming up next week, that is incredibly important to us. People who think that, you know, they agree with what we're doing and want to support in any way they can. Um, It means the world to us. We couldn't exist without this incredibly beautiful community that we live in, Um, supporting their programs, showing up. when we have classes and really importantly, 
making donations when we ask for help. And I think it's really important to know kind of, you know, the point you're getting at here is that, yes, all the work on the farm gets done mostly by volunteers, plus yourself, you and your two staff members, is it, work pretty hard. So, I mean, three people plus volunteers, a tremendous amount of work gets done, but those monetary donations are, are just as important because there would be really no way to start the process without those. So it is just fabulous that the community is, is so supportive. And I think, you know, it gives people a way to give back as well. People who maybe commute to the city to work and don't have a lot of time to volunteer. That, that is what you can do to help. You can make a monetary donation. Absolutely. And, and, you know, big ones are quite welcome, but you know, small donations make a difference. Um, Just like the donations of their volunteers time, you know, we're typically not asking our volunteers to work more than about two hours at a time. Um, often in the morning and in the afternoon, and it'll be different folks showing up in the morning and afternoon. But those two hours at a time really, really add up. So, you know, small donations, and that's what Give Local Piedmont is primarily about. Um, You know, $50, $100 donations, they add up quickly. And this is an incredibly beautiful community that is really generous and um, I, I am so grateful, you know, um, for the last several years, we'll have a big fundraising dinner during the middle of the summer. Um, hopefully with COVID-19, we may be able to have that. It's kind of unsure right now, but one of the major parts of um, that fundraising effort are sponsorship packages um, through local businesses. There are a lot of people who support what we're doing. Um, so, you know, and, and they are absolutely vital for us to be able to stay open. You know, and, and one of our most important funding partners, these folks are so beautiful that they are not just a funding source, but a funding partner in all of their success has been the PATH Foundation. They have helped us in so many ways and continue constantly. But that is still just a portion of what we are receiving each year. The Again, 50% from direct donations from individuals makes a big difference in our success. Well, on behalf of the community programs who have benefited from what the Fauquier Education Farm is doing, I just want to say thank you so much, Jim, for all of your hard work and for leading this community to provide fresh food for everyone. We just really appreciate all that you and your volunteers are doing. And thank you for spending some time talking to us today. You're very welcome. Be sure to like us on Facebook and, you know, come on down to the farm and join in. It is a lot of fun. My next guest is Sharon Ames with the Fauquier Community Food Bank and Thrift Store. Good morning, Sharon. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking your time to speak with us today. I know the food bank has been really, really busy lately. You all are are usually pretty busy, but even more so in the current conditions. 
That is correct. It is pretty well doubled, uh, you know, the number of clients that we have. Oh, my gosh, doubled. Wow. Well, before we get into talking about that a little more, because I do want to hear a little bit more about that, here's what I was thinking that you could do. Um, just so we can introduce our listeners to you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and the mission of the Food Bank? My name is Sharon Ames. I'm Executive Director for the Food Bank. And the mission of the Food Bank definitely is to feed the people of Fauquier County. For us to provide our neighbors with nourishing food, encouragement uh, for them, if there is something else that they need help with or a problem with, that we're here to try to help them with that also. Oh, that is amazing. So you provide other resources in addition to nutrition support. That is really valuable to people. It is, and they're at a comfort level that they can come to us, ask to talk to us privately. Uh, It might be something to do with social services. It might be something to do with our county. It might be something to do with their private life. But I have found that we've earned their trust, and they're comfortable with that, and that makes me very happy. And I have been fortunate enough to be able to witness that firsthand. I've I've been to the food bank several times. You know, we have actually partnered on some initiatives before in the community, and I hope to be able to partner on some more in the future. And I I did notice that your clients were very comfortable with you all. It was like they were walking into the living room or probably more appropriate, the kitchen (laughs) of a a friend or a family member. And that, that was just really nice to see. Could you tell us a little bit about what kind of struggles your clients face and how the ability to shop at the food bank contributes towards self-sufficiency for them? There is a lot of walks of life for the food insecure. A lot of this county is that there might be three generations living in the same house. It could be grandma, mom, and dad, and the kids. And the struggles there is to feed everybody. There can be diet restrictions. Uh, Maybe the older people cannot eat what the children eat. So we try to listen to them very careful when they come in as to what their family needs and what their family can use. And that is one of the reasons that we do not prepare a box of food for you, that you go around with a volunteer and you you choose what your family likes, what your family will eat. Yes, I think choice is a really important part of the process. I mean, what you're trying to do is not only to feed these people, but to to do so and you know really have their their dignity intact when they when they leave your food bank. Yes, yes, the the dignity and for them to feel like they are shopping in an actual small grocery store. And in a store, you have choices. You go up and down each aisle and you choose. And we want them to have that same respect, that same dignity when they come here. If it, if they can't have ham, we want them to say, you know, Sharon, do you have any other burger products? Do you have any other chicken products? So we can help feed that family and do it to where the family is eating and not hungry. Wow, thank you for that. 
And can you tell us a little bit more about who is eligible to shop at the food bank? Yes. Right now, the stipulations are a little different than they were in the past. Right now, it is because of the virus, any fall care resident is welcome to come. Oh, my gosh. Any fall care resident. The only question we ask is, do you live in this county? Can you show me? That is it. Have I had ones that say, I don't have anything on me right now? That's okay, too. We're going to feed them. In the beginning, before this virus, you could shop full cards twice a month and every day for produce, bread, and pastries. Now it's three times a month, which makes it a little over a week for full service, which will include anywhere from six to eight different meats that they can have. Also, USDA has lifted some of their restrictions, and we are able to offer two or three meats from USDA along with a lot of other cans and pasta and beans and rice products. Uh, we, as far as income levels, before the virus, we did take that into consideration. We have to abide by the USDA rules, but we also have our own food bank pantry guidelines that go by. So anybody who does not make it for USDA or SNAP can still come to us because our pantry guidelines will allow them to get our pantry food. What is pantry food? Pantry food is any food that is donated to us or that we pick up at the local grocery stores, which we do five days a week. We pick up at the local grocery stores. So we can help at every level. We can help you. If you do not qualify for SNAP, then you can come to us, and we are going to help you. Wow, Sharon, you and your board have really built a beautiful program here for people, and I just want to know, what does a typical shopping experience look like for your clients? I mean, I have been in the food bank, and I know you all recently, well, fairly recently, underwent a renovation, and it is beautiful and bright in there, and there are cases of refrigerated cases of fresh produce and all kinds of beautiful food. So what does that shopping look like for your clients when they come in? What the shopping looks like and what we strive to do is once they come in and they're with their volunteer is to show them we do have a three-door refrigerator that does have produce, eggs, milk in it, and to take them around and offer it to them. When you have milk, they have their choices. Most of the time, 2% are regular milk. Then you go on and you can choose a pastry. You go on, you've got your canned foods that you can choose, your beans, your rice, whatever you want. All of that is available to you. There's fruits. There's there's drinks, no sodas. We do not have sodas in the food bank. There's waters. And then we have the three-door freezer. And as I said before, you have choices of meat. You get two out of each one of those. And you can build your meal around the meats that you get. If you get uh, three pounds of burger, you can plan your meal, whether you want spaghetti or you want chili, whatever you desire, you can plan your meal as you go around. 
Then we have another three-door that will have uh, yogurt. It will have refrigerated drinks in there. There is more produce. If the first one doesn't hold it off, there will be more produce. And even at this time, with the virus going on, this community has stepped up to the plate and really has found me produce. So every day we have something fresh to offer our clients. It's it's a very good experience, and then they leave with the breads, and they can get up to four loaves of bread. And that sounds like a lot, but we have to remember that the children are home from school, and a, that's a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So therefore, and if they don't need that much, they don't take it. They're very good to us to say thank you, but I only need one loaf. Oh, well, I think because, you know, you have earned their trust and there's that mutual respect there, I, you know, I think your your clients care about you just as much as you care about them. I, I think they care about us there. They always are concerned if we're safe and they understand when we had to put new rules in place that, you know, we couldn't let children in the food bank and only four clients at a time. They were respective of that. They appreciated that. And when we asked them, you know, because we opened at 12, please take into consideration that you have to be six feet apart. Please not everybody show up. And by, they've been so good. They've been so good to respect that. (laughs) Wow, that's great. And can you tell me a little bit more about where the food from the pantry comes from, especially some of that fresh produce that you all have? We get our food, like I said, we pick up five days a week from every one of our local grocery stores. We also get it from Walmart, Food Lion in Bealton. We get Little Caesars Pizza, Produce, comes from various places. 4P Foods gives us produce. I have a vendor that goes out and about and looks for it. He is not employed at this time, so he goes and looks for produce for us, and he will go to the grocery stores and try to get us stuff that maybe is going to go bad in two days, and he will bring it to me because I will go through it in a day. Above and beyond The people that have farms, greenhouses, and different things, it is fantastic what they are bringing into us. I have a a farm that contacted me three weeks ago, and he is bringing us fresh meats from his farm, which is chicken, ground pork, graham burger. But the produce, the apples, the oranges, bananas are from our community, people going out and looking for it, and above and beyond, Walmart and Food Lion step up to the plate to give us as much fresh produce as they can. Safeway, Harris, Teeters, and Giant do the same thing. All of them are really working to help us. We get from Longhorn Steakhouse, even though they can't be open for people to come in and it is takeout, we go there and pick up extra food from there, baked potatoes, broccoli, stuff that they can't use all of it. Maybe they didn't get enough uh, takeout orders to use it. So versus letting it go to waste, they call us and we go get it. Wow, Sharon, that, that really makes me happy to hear that our whole community is working together to make sure everyone is taken care of. Um, I've been watching your social media lately, and 
I saw a couple things that really did make me happy. Um, I saw that Zan and Ann Dial from Ellie's Place made a couple of donations, and I know that it's almost time for fresh produce to be coming off of the Fakir Education Farm. Mm-hmm. Ellie's Place has – I just can't even say how grateful I am. He – has stepped up to the plate. In the beginning, he would call me and say, okay, Sharon, what do you need this week? And I would give him some items, and then he'd go, and all of those items were available. So after a couple weeks, he said, do you want me to just get what I can get to help you out produce-wise, fruit-wise, water-wise? And I said, yes. Last week, one of the things that he brought us that our clients were so happy about was a box of pears. They were lovely, they were beautiful, and that is where a lot of my produce comes from. He gets me anything he can get me. The <laughs> educational farm, I can't wait. I absolutely cannot wait because, as we talked about, having it in the coolers when the educational farm st- starts, I will have it out front displayed, and our clients can help themselves to take what they can use, which is absolutely I know they really enjoy it when watermelon season comes around. Those those watermelons that Jim grows are just beautiful. And and sometimes you get surprised. You crack one open and it's a yellow one. And you're like, oh, how cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And I think the one thing that I personally take away from this when I started getting a lot of produce from the educational farm, I was met with, I don't know what this is, Sharon. I don't know how to use this. What's Chinese cabbage? I've never heard of it. And we went online and we got on recipes, very simple recipes with not a lot of ingredients. And, oh, they have just come so far that they've found ways to use it, found ways that their family likes it, and now they're excited, and they can't wait to get it. <laughs> I'm sure they're asking for it. <laughs> yes, they are. They are. Is it that yes. time yet? Well, how, you know, you guys just do a tremendous amount of work there, and you only have a few employees. Now, you do have some volunteers, but mm-hmm. this is an inexpensive operation. So can you tell me a little bit about how your program is funded? I can. The thrift store, that's why we're the Fakir Community Food Bank and Thrift Store. The thrift store is actually the fundraiser when it was set up as a 501c3 for the food bank. So the thrift store carries a lot of the load financially. Also, the other part of the food bank and the thrift store is that if our clients need clothes, shoes, whatever. The thrift store is there for them. If social services sets somebody up in a motel and they have no plates, silverware, cups, or anything, we're able to help there. That is where a lot of our funding comes from and from the community, from the PATH Foundation, from Piedmont United Way, who help us out with grants so that we can keep our heads above water And I always, always want to have plenty of food so that people do not feel that if they're not here at 12 o'clock, they're not going to get fed. I want that person who walks in our door at 345 to have choices the same as that 12 o'clock person. Great. And 
I know that you all are participating in a fundraising event that's coming up on May 5th. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yes, it's when when people call in and donate money to their favorite charity, and we promote it a lot here and remind everybody the day it is. Uh, it's been very good to us. When it first started, it was new to me. Uh, I probably didn't promote it as much as, as I could have. And then once I caught on and I could really talk to our people about it. And I think another thing that really pleases me about that is that there are some of our clients who will come to me and say, Sharon, I called in and I donated $10. I think that's pretty, pretty awesome. That, that is pretty awesome. And just to be clear, we're talking about Give Local Piedmont, right? Yes, put on, yes. So Give Local yes. Piedmont is put on by the Northern Piedmont Community Foundation. Yes, a day of giving, yes. And it's uh, every year it seems to grow and grow, and that's that's absolutely wonderful. And it's your favorite charity, or you can give to three or four of your charities. It's what you want to do in your heart that makes you feel good to support all of us because this county needs all of us, not just one of us, it needs all of us. Absolutely, that is so true. And that's one thing that really I love about the Fauquier County community is just there is a lot of generosity and heart around our community. And I think we should just try and keep that going as much as we can. It is important because I, in all honesty, when I first accepted this position here. I had managed family dollar stores for over 35 years. And when I first started this, I was met with some things. This is our project. We only do it. No one else can do it. And I didn't understand that. I really, truly did not understand why we all didn't party partner together with it. So I just started asking questions and started working with this person and that person. And and now I just really feel we are a true community, that if I need something, I feel very free to pick up the phone and say, I need help. Can you help me? And, <laughs> and, and other people do, and I would do the same for them too. Well, I, I do think it's wonderful that you've built this network of support around the community. You know, you have played a really big part in helping build that network. And even when there are similar programs, as you mentioned, that are working on the same mission, you know, you all have said, hey, let's let's figure out what what and who everyone serves the best and make referrals back and forth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because that's what it's all about. And that's how we can help our people, our clients, above just the food insecurity. It, it can be mental health. It can be clothing. It can be companionship. But we can reach out to the proper people and say, I have this situation. I've been presented with this. Uh, it's out of my realm, but can you steer me in the right direction or can you help me? Can you tell me who to talk to? And and it works. It works. <laughs> well, Sharon, congratulations on all of your successes that you've had. And just on behalf of everyone in the community, thank you for all of your hard and really impactful work. You are appreciated. You you may not hear from all of us that often, but believe me, we're talking about you. 
Oh, thank you very much. That that means the world to me, but above and beyond that, I'm just grateful that we can take care of our clients. Excellent. Well, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon, Sharon. Thank you so much. You are very welcome, and have a good day. You too. Hi, everybody. We're here with Carol, Megan, and Erin from Fish and Weekend Power Pack. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Natalie. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate your time. I know it's been kind of a busy time for everybody who's involved in these emergency response organizations. So really just appreciate that you're here today helping us learn about what you do. So let's learn a little bit about these two organizations. Carol, can you tell us a little bit about Fish Food Pantry? Okay, well, let's, first of all, Fish is the overarching organization. It's Fokker Fish, and the Food Pantry and the Weekend Power Pack are two separate programs within our organization. Right now, I am currently the executive director, and I am pretty much working mostly with the food pantry right now to make sure that we get that going during this pandemic. So FISH is listed as participating in the Give Local Piedmont campaign that's coming up on May 5th. I saw it on their website. Where does your funding come from? Do do you get mostly grant-funded monies? Okay, um, I'll start with that and maybe Megan can chime in on that. Um, a lot of our, we are a private organization. Most of our money comes through grants from PATH or Northern Piedmont or the Loeb Foundation or just individual donors. And all the money that we raise will go to fund all the programs that we have under FISH. Megan, you yeah. want to jump in on that? Absolutely. Yeah. I would say we have a really um, great mixture of grant funding supporters, as well as individual donors. And, um, you know, so our programs are able to operate through both of those channels quite well. You know, we have relied on our community members and individual donations for years and years. And grant funding is fairly recent as far as the organization's history um, and has made, you know, all the difference in terms of our program growth and organizational growth. So both of those two components, individual and grant donations, are sort of um, very much driving forces in in what we're able to do and accomplish. I think, too, we have um, companies in the local area that support us, um, whether they're packing the bags for us and then paying for the food that they're packing or they're donating, doing a car show or at the athletic club, they're doing a class that they're donating them the proceeds from that to us as well. Um, we have good amount of people, uh, businesses that way that help us. Churches as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that, yeah, to hit on sort of the four majors, individuals, grants, businesses, and, and local civic and church organizations that sort of make up our pie of funding, if you will. So right now you all have a couple special pots of money that allow you to do extra things in the community. Can you all tell us about what those two are? For the Weekend Power Pack program, we received grants through the PATH Foundation as well as No Kid Hungry to allow us to provide weekly bags to our students in need 
with five days worth of food. Um, and that would be continuing until the end of the school year or what was supposed to be the end of the school year at the end of May. We've also received individual donations to help us to help support that as well. And just this week, um, I think with the bags that went out into the community, the weekend power pack bags this week, we just reached over 2000 bags that have gone out in, into the community since schools nice. have closed at this point. Wow. Wow. I think you all were the first responders on the emergency feeding in our county. And I just, I think that really shows a tremendous amount of dedication to the work that you do. You were able to turn around really quickly and provide meals for families who weren't quite sure about what their situation was going to be. We found a true um, partner in a whole new renewed way with Fauquier County Public Schools when all of the, um, when the school closures just happened. Um, we can power pack, sent home extra food right before schools closed um, out of anticipation that it may happen. And as soon as schools, uh, the announcement was made that schools would close, Fauquier County Public Schools was an immediate partner. Kristen McAuliffe, who works for the school system, has sort of been our wingman since day one on figuring out these logistics and truly could not have um, made the progress that we've made in reaching our kids and being able to feed them uh, without her efforts. So it's really been very much a team effort with the school system. Um, It's always been that way with Weekend Power Pack, but the level of coordination and synergy that's come about since the COVID-19 response has just, it's blown up in in all sorts of wonderful ways in, in our ability to um, serve during this time. Yes, and we truly do appreciate that that partnership. Um, for those of you who don't know, I am the farm to school chef for Fauquier County Public Schools under the FRESH program. We are a PATH-funded grant, and Kristen McAuliffe is the amazing superwoman that is my boss. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug for our team Perfect. There. No, it's perfect. <laughs> I think, too, we have to give a shout out to you guys because we we knew how to get the bags put together. Yeah, we didn't have the ability to reach these kids. And you all called all of our weekend power pack families and said, hey, this is how you get the food if you need it this week. And then from there, you know, the 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 plan progressed and it became we'd have distribution sites and stuff. But you were the ones that could immediately get to these families that that we could never do just because we don't know who these families are. Yes, and just for folks who don't know, um, families who are qualifying for free or reduced price lunches for their students, that information is all confidential. And so the school system does not share that with anybody. And even within departments in the school system, there's only a handful of people who are able to have access to that information. You know, I think confidentiality has always been important to our program because we have a lot of us are stay-at-home mothers. We have kids in the school system. So we want those kids that are in our program to feel that it's confidential, that nobody knows that they're receiving the food or what they're receiving in their backpacks each week. And so um, we've kept it that way for a reason. But when the pandemic hit, you know, we needed a way. We needed a partner to help us get to these families so that we could provide them the food that they needed. And I just wanted to share with you all, I know that you may not always see your end user, so to speak, the Mm -hmm. recipient of these backpacks because of that confidentiality level that is there. But I I was part of the team that called families and um, I called one, one woman answered and I said, you know, hi, I'm 
Natalie from Fresh and how are you today? And she just paused and I could hear her voice kind of quiver and she said, actually, it's been a really hard day and I might, (laughs) I might cry talking about this because it was just, it was one of those moments, you know, and she said, well, I've been having a really hard day. I just found out that the hotel that my family is staying at is evicting us Mm -hmm. because of some things related to COVID. And she said, I don't know where I'm going to live. And she said, thank you so much for doing this because putting food on my table was one of the things that I didn't know how I was going to make happen. You know, your, your work is just so impactful on, on our families in crisis and our families that are just struggling a little bit that need help. So again, thanks for that. Thanks for sharing that, Natalie. Well, let's talk specifically about the food pantry portion of fish. And for for this, we're going to chat with Carol. So Carol, can you just give our listeners a little bit of information about what the food pantry's philosophy is on offerings and how they are presented to clients? Okay, so one of our philosophies is doing good doesn't mean we shouldn't do better. So we're always striving to do the best that we can to help all our neighbors in need and our clients that come to visit us at the food pantry. And unfortunately, the most economically poor are most of the time the most nutritionally poor. In 2015, we decided to change up how we were going to distribute food to our clients. We wanted to focus more on a more nutritional meal and What we developed was our version of a meal kit called a DASH kit, delicious, affordable, simple, and healthy. These kits contain all the ingredients and a simple recipe for our clients to follow. So each one of our clients that comes into the food pantry will be able to pick from a variety of meal kits. We usually offer up two vegetarian, two chickens, two beef, and two fish options to take home and cook these simple meals. So we also offer up some dry goods, fresh produce, milk, and eggs for our clients. Wow, that is really convenient, actually. It sounds a lot like those trendy meal kits that you can have delivered to your home. Pretty much. We kind of like got the idea from Blue Apron and uh, you know HelloFresh and a lot of those meal kits. Um, we've just made it more usable with our shelf-stable items, pantry items, and we usually add in each one of these kits gets added in uh, maybe a frozen vegetable, a meat, or some fresh produce like carrots or potatoes. And I will tell you, these meals are delicious. And the reason I know that is that I have partnered with Fish and Weekend Power Pack to work with some students on some summer cooking classes at a couple of locations in the county. And I thought that it was really cool to see the response from the students on what meals were prepared. I think one of the recipes that you all packed for us to uh, create that day was an enchilada recipe and it was funny because and and I'll I'll speak candidly at first the the kids who were cooking were like "Ooh, I don't think I'm gonna like this (laughs) but by the Uh end of the class after they had made it and they saw that it had a (laughs) lot of cheese goodness they were all over it and I think that's probably got to go down as one of the most popular things I've ever sampled with students. Oh, good. <laughs> Even after, after, you know, considering some of my own recipes. <laughs> so Carol, tell us a little bit about who's eligible to shop at the pantry. 
So our pantry is available to any Falker County residents that is in need of nutritional assistance. All they need to do is come in and register. They just need to bring a photo ID and proof that they live in the county. Uh, we do not check income. We do not check birth dates or, you know, the have, need student IDs or anything like that. Just come in, tell us that you're in need and that you live in Falker County. And are there any changes to the services you're providing during this COVID response period? No, actually we have a terrific shopper and um, she's usually shopping for us probably about six to eight weeks in advance. So we have been able to provide everything that we offer during the normal time during this pandemic. Wow. No business interruption, huh? <laughs> no, no, no. We just, the only difference is, is how we're doing business at the front end. We're having people check their, doing their meal checklists outside. We have a, what we call our mini dashboard that's sitting outside so that they can look at the dash meals to see which recipes they want to take home. And then they'll step into the pantry. They'll check in at the front desk. We'll log their visit in. And then we're having them go wait out their car and we volunteers are bringing the food right out to their car. So there's less mingling of the clients and the volunteers. Our building is very small. So we're, we're trying to keep everyone safe. Yes. And I think that feeling of safety is, is definitely on top of people's minds right now. You know, they, they just want to make sure that they can get what they need. They can do it safely. And you all, it sounds like you are always extremely efficient. So Where we're trying to be. They never worry about that. <laughs> we try to be. We, but we're, we also have to thank all the, the people in Fauquier County that have donated. We don't usually provide two we have two black and yellow totes sitting outside our door that every time I go is full of food um, a lot of the food that we've asked for through our website and through our Facebook page for the weekend power pack for stuff we need at the pantry it's just been overwhelming and it's just been terrific it's really helped us source food for both programs. Excellent I know and this is just because I know you all on a personal level um, that you do provide other supports and resources to folks that come to the pantry. Can you talk a little bit about what those are? Uh, for support wise, each one of our clients that comes in, we, you know, we ask how they're doing, if there's anything we can help them with beyond food. And we provide each one of our brand new clients, the Fauquier County resource guide, which is a terrific guide put out by, um, I believe it's the Northern Piedmont or the Path Foundation. I'm not sure. But that has many variety of other resources to offer our clients to help them get to where they need to be. Other resources that we have, we tried to provide um, beyond food. We do have diapers. We have hygiene items. Carol, given the situation, is Fish Food Pantry preparing for an increase in requests to shop the pantry? We are seeing an increase now of over the last two or three weeks with every session we're having two, three, four new clients come into the pantry and getting assistance and we're helping them out and providing them again with the community resource guide. And yes, we are pretty much ready for the increase in requests. Wow. Well, hopefully some of the funds that you all are able to generate in the Give Local Piedmont campaign can, can help towards that. 
It will. We're, we're hoping that, that it will. Yes. Allie, can I add one thing just to kind of Carol's response, um, just to sort of emphasize oh, yes, please please do. on the, well, just on the give local Piedmont front. And, you know, I think one thing to emphasize is that the individual donations, the business donations, the grants that have come in, I mean, I think what they've allowed our organization to do is focus so much more on the how can we continue serving rather than the if we can continue serving. You know, I think these increases that we're seeing without that level of support, there would be a lot more of our time spent trying to figure out, can we even do this? Versus having that level of support that we've seen from individual donors and businesses and grants, being able to say, you know, this is the level of support that we we have and we're continuing to see so that we can continue to meet these needs. You know, there's a lot of logistical details and how we're going to get the food and, and we're making all of that happen, but without having to have constant concerns over whether we're able to do it, um, you know, that the level of support we're seeing and continue to see is just, it's made all the difference. Well, and I can imagine that grant writing and fundraising and finding partners takes a lot of time. So it seems like it would just be that much more time you can put towards concentrating on. Yeah, getting the food into people's hands. Exactly. Well said, Megan. Megan, can you tell us a little bit about how Weekend Power Pack was born out of the original fish Sure. Okay. So I came to fish to volunteer for the very first time at the beginning of 2014. Um, and it, at that spring of that year, Charity Furnace, who is the executive director of Experience Old Town Warrington, approached Fish. She had talked to some friends. This idea for a weekend feeding program for students had kind of, you know, they'd been chattering about this idea. She came to Fish and said, I have this idea. What do you guys think? Could we do something? And Fish said, sure, let's see what we can do. Let's give it a try. Um, and it started as a pilot program um, in just a small number of schools, I believe maybe um, 60 students in that, during that first pilot program, 30 to 60, and then just sort of has grown incrementally since then from year to year, and uh, both in number of students served as well as in the number of schools across the county that the program is in. And Aaron Smith, who's here with us today, joined as the director of the program in 2017. And, um, you know, she has really helped grow the program, has um, helped fold Head Start into our um, portfolio of students served. And at the time, well, pre-COVID and also currently our numbers are hover around 300 students served per week. So normally kids are taking home um, a backpack of food on the weekends and we cover food over school holidays, snow days three-day weekends, and we're in 17 of the 20 county schools, and the other three schools are receiving um, similar services through other organizations. Wow, that that is truly the community working together to take care of all of the students. That's just amazing. And Erin, I remember correctly, I think the oh first time <laughs> I met you, I was helping unload or a, a horse trailer truck. It was a horse trailer. Absolutely. Someone had had volunteered to go pick up food and they were they were delivering yep. it to your yep. site in a horse trailer. <laughs> 
So can you tell us, Erin, a little bit about what types of food are included in the weekend power pack that we unloaded from that horse trailer and uh, why you all make the selections you make? Because I think that's an important thing to consider that people who haven't been in the situation where they're receiving um, assistance like this may Uh, may not consider. We've grown quite a bit through the years, but um, we've always tried to feed a family of four with a bag that we send home each weekend with the children includes breakfast, lunch, dinner, and some snacks um this most recent year school year i should say we started doing a little bit like the food pantry and taking on the meal kit idea so we would provide like the ingredients to make white chicken chili or we've always provided um stuff to make tacos but we added a few more ingredients to do the tacos or we did a quick tuna noodle casserole and those were the types of dinners that we were trying to do this school year um so that it really could all of the meals could feed a family of four if need be we provide peanut butter for lunches we provide snacks and we always have either two pieces of fresh fruit or a fresh vegetable such as potatoes or baby carrots because we've we've learned that the kids don't necessarily get the fresh produce at home and we've heard that a lot of them are already eating it on the bus on the way home on Friday. So we wanted to make sure that every week contains that food. And could you speak a little bit as to why you tend towards more shelf-stable items? I mean, even the fruit and vegetable selection that you all send home are are things that are, you know, safe without... Right. Um, so we take it to... The, we have volunteers um, that pack the bags and then take them to the schools. And some of the bags may go with a volunteer who's taking... 78 bags in their car and so we want to make sure that all of that food gets there in the same way we put it in the bag so we want we were doing bananas for a while because they were cheaper than apples but we had to switch to the apples because the bananas were getting smushed and the kids weren't able to eat them so it's important for us to be able to the food we send get to the kids in the way that we have sent it and i think too one thing that i want to mention and um if you've never done work in organizations that deal with hunger one thing that some of us can take for granted right is um, that we, we have, have a kitchen and so and some families um may have, have limited um, kitchen facilities they're staying at emergency shelters they're staying at motels because they're currently homeless and then we also have people that are staying with family and friends and sometimes a, a microwave is the only way that they can cook their food we've definitely had counselors contact us and say hey someone you know, we have some kids that are staying at the motel. Can you give them microwavable Chef Boyardee or mac and cheese? Because that's the only way they can cook it. So when we look at the meal kits or whatever we're sending for the dinners, we make sure that it is something that you can cook in a microwave if you have to. And I've seen a little shelf at the food pantry that has a kind of a little stock of can openers and things like that. I mean, you do you all run into families that have literally to start from scratch and have nothing we do we do have a shelf for those that are staying in motels or have limited cooking we provide a lot of those what we call the heat and eats available for them along with um, we do provide electric skillets to a lot of our clients that are staying in motels that only have a microwave can openers paper plates sometimes uh, we get donations of actual plates and cups that kind of stuff that we give out to these clients. 
And I think that that's an important part of what you all are really good at. You and Sharon Ames at the Fauquier Food Bank. You all are just so good at meeting the families where they are with what they have or what they don't have. And that's so important because what's the use of giving Mm -hmm, someone something that they can't utilize? Uh Erin, tell me a little bit about Weekend Power Pack's process with figuring out how many bags each school needs at the start Um, of the school year. We have a point of contact at every school. Most of the time, it's the counselor at the school, but sometimes um, one of the schools, it's a nurse. One of the schools, it's a registrar. So it just depends on you know, who has the ability at the school to, and and the time to help with facilitate the weekend power pack program. So I'll send out an email at the beginning of the school year saying, Hey, this is the date we're going to start. Let me know how many bags you need. And we have, you know, we'll get the responses. The counselors go out. It varies by school. Some schools will send a blast to all of their students saying, if you want to be in the weekend power pack program, fill out this application. Some schools are a bit more intentional and identify the students themselves or through the teachers and then ask those families if they would like to participate. We have an application just that lets the families know that they can say yes or no to the program if they're given it. And when we start, which is about a week after school starts, we begin giving the bags. All the schools let me know the numbers and our volunteers pack those bags and take them to the schools to those point of contacts. Great. Well, thank you for letting our listeners know about that, because I feel like there's a lot of little logistics along the way that folks don't think about. And it is a high level of coordination to make this a successful initiative. um, Because the schools are identifying the kids, that keeps it confidential because we don't know who those kids are. Um, They're just giving giving me every week a number of bags they need. And that's all we know. And that's the way we like it. Megan, I know that Carol mentioned earlier that the food pantry is no questions asked. Is that Absolutely. The same with um, you know, as Erin mentioned, we rely on the schools to facilitate the identification of students um, and, you know, give us a number. And so, um, you know, we, we don't ask schools to qualify based on anything other than their belief that a family is in need. Um, and, you know, we, we service uh, many children across schools within the same family. And I think that that does a great deal to sort of increase the food security within a household, you know, a household may be getting two or three bags because there's two or three children. And so we've never, um, we've never put any restrictions on um, the schools in terms of how they qualify students or the number of bags that a single family could receive. I want our listeners to know how important this support is that comes from not only the fish food pantry, but weekend power pack, because I will tell you, um, I'm a hungry person. And I know that it gets really hard for me to concentrate when I've kind of reached Mm -hmm. that level of what a lot of us call hanger. Mm -hmm. And, and so I'm just thinking that, you know, over the weekend, if there isn't the opportunity for good nutrition, you know, it's very likely students could Absolutely. come to school on Monday kind of out yep. of sorts. There's so much data out there that shows that food insecurity, especially for children, it affects your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health. All of these things that when make it hard for your brain to work 
just under normal circumstances, playing with friends, let alone sitting in a classroom, sitting still, paying attention. And so, you know, what Falkir Fish is able to do is say, you know, our mandate is hunger and we can help, you know, we can't change everything that's happening in these children's or these families' lives, but we can make sure that there's food on the table um, so that when they show up, to school, whether school's in a classroom, whether school's at home, or whether it's just being at home in their environment that they live, that there's food on that table so that that physical, emotional, and mental health is at least not starving. Carol, Aaron, and Megan, thank you all so much for taking your time to join us today. We really appreciate the opportunity to learn a little bit more about the inner workings of fish and weekend thank power pack thanks so much natalie for having us thank on. you natalie thanks for joining us today if you have the ability please head over to give to find one of our three guests today or maybe all of our three guests today to make a contribution to the good work that they do year-round Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time.